It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Your daily assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit sprint.com for online services and local store availability. From The Athletic, he's our friend Sam Amick. Hi, Sam. How are you? Good afternoon, guys. Doing just fine. How about you? Hey, we're doing great, especially excited because, uh, you know, it, it starts with a, a meeting with the Board of Governors tomorrow, but it looks like real progress to a plan is being made. Not for sure. I mean, at this point, I'd be pretty darn surprised if we didn't have playoffs. Um, certainly anticipating, you know, a, a late July type start. And those conversations are becoming more and more real. Yesterday, the Finance Advisory Committee uh, met with league officials. The day before that was the team presidents. Today was the GMs. Tomorrow is the Board of Governors. And, um, you know, we probably won't get a total, you know, total clarity by tomorrow, but but it does seem to be uh, like the wheels are in motion. And, and you're starting to get into the weeds in a good way right now in terms of some of the details being worked out. In fact, you know, everything from you know, media access and what that might look like to uh, to just all the logistics. So it's starting to, to definitely feel pretty real. Sam, do you think it'll be postseason only, or do you think it'll be playoffs plus? What's your best guess there? Yeah, I mean, my handicap guys would be probably playoffs plus. I think uh, what I've been hearing is there's a lot of pessimism coming from the teams at the bottom of the league in terms of, whether or not they'll be involved. And so I would at this point be surprised if it, you know, if it was all 30 teams, I'd be very surprised. And, and the playoffs plus thing seems to be the way it's going, you know, like 20 teams uh, and, and the 20 best records. So that would be 12 in the West and eight in the East. And, and you're basically letting, you know, the Kings, Pelicans, Spurs, and uh, moving somebody out there. I forget who the other team is, but um you know, the, those four teams in the West just out behind Memphis to fight for that spot. But uh, so if I had to guess, I think that's what it will be. Sam Amick is with us here on the big show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So what is the likelihood of, of bringing everybody back to hit that 70-game marker for the regional TV, or are they not going to make that a priority, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't have clarity there. I'm, I'm, you know, again, just handicapped, and I don't think they're going to be able to do that. The one interesting thing I've learned about that is that while it is a priority, and I don't know if you guys agree or not, but, you know, for the longest time, the way that I understood it, that ultimately I, I learned that I was wrong, is that it was some sort of kind of magic threshold where you, 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 you reached a financial uh, kind of uh, marker at the same game mark. And, and that really led to a lot more revenue. And the way it was now described to me is it's 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 not a uh, a cliff; it's a waterfall, so to speak. Meaning that it, it's a per game basis. If you get 65 regional games in, then that's a whole lot better than 60 because you're getting paid on every single game. Um, and you know, if you get to 69, then you're you're obviously just losing out on that one game. So it's not as if you know you don't get the lump sum if you don't get to 70. 
um, you just, you know, you end up missing out on some money. I mean, I, I mentioned this on our podcast the other day, like the economics on the Lakers, who I believe have the, the best regional deal in the league. You know, they get about a million and a half dollars per regional game. So they're about $20 million short right now. Now, if, you know, so, so they'll either stay at $20 million short, you know, or if they somehow find a way to work in a couple exhibition games that they can, you know, that they can qualify as regional games, then maybe they, they make another $5 million, you know, $5.5 million, uh, or 6 rather, to, uh, to, to kind of make that work. But it's not, it's not a threshold. That it's, it's an all-or-nothing sort of mark to hit, if that makes sense. If memory serves, Sam, I think the Lakers have played the fewest games in the league, haven't they? Or am I uh, misremembering that? I no, you probably yeah. – well, not only that, but, I mean, their regional number is going to be down because of all the national TV games that they've had, and that's a problem that the higher-profile teams have. Even, ironically, because the Warriors are so bad this season, uh, even though they're terrible, they've had a bunch of national games. And so the Warriors and Lakers, who both have really good RSN contracts – their numbers are going to be down because if you have more national games than the rest of the league, then that obviously a lot of times those games are, are only national and you, and you miss out on the RSN numbers. So like I, I think roughly the Warriors were, were coming in at like 60 regional games. They had about 10 or so to go to get there, and I think the Lakers are probably you know in, in a similar boat. Sam, do you think that the the the, uh, the the mini camps or training camps, wherever you want to call them, will they? Are you getting the impression that that will happen in place uh, in the hometowns of the teams, and then go to Florida, or do you? Will it be some other arrangement? I think it'll be both. It'll be uh, two weeks in market, um, and then once you you kind of. I mean, you can do the math on the timeline yourself here. It's not that complicated where, you know, just the other day it was reported that uh, players that are overseas need to come back. And so that's like two weeks where they have to quarantine. And then from there, you end up doing two weeks in market uh, to, to have a training camp. You know, now, now it's a month out, so just shy of a month now. So let's call it, you know, late June. Um, then you do two weeks in uh, in Orlando, another two weeks. So ultimately you're giving teams about a month to get ready. And then you know, at that point you're talking mid-July, late July, and you get the games rolling. I probably ask you about this every week, Sam, but do you expect the cooperation between the NBA and the Players Association to continue to be good? Yeah, I do. I mean, no signs of problems there. Um, I think that you know, some of the concerns that have been highly publicized from the players' union regarding the possible kind of nature of the medical bubble at a playoff site have been, my understanding is, you know, kind of assuaged. And and the Orlando solution seems to check some of those boxes where it's just a, a less compromised environment where it would allow for more freedom for the players, which I know is a concern. So, yeah, so far it, it does still seem like the, uh, the vibe and the tone of those talks is, is pretty positive. Will those players be able to bring family members in? I've read that uh, they've talked about having some, some show up or limited numbers show up uh, and then maybe have more family members come as teams are eliminated through the postseason. I, what do you think, Sam? Yeah, I think it'll probably be a few weeks in. Um, it's not going to be – 
right out the gate. I think they're probably going to want a couple weeks of health, a couple weeks of, you know, of negative tests, uh, a couple weeks to get, you know, everybody's feet underneath them and then go from there. But, I, you know, I thought the whole time that the families would be let in at some point. And honestly, that's, and even, you know, like the, the podcast visit we had with Joe Ingalls where you got a guy like that with, you know, two kids and one on the way. Um, it, it's stressful for any family. I don't care how much money you make or if you have a nanny or not, you know, to, uh, to, to think about leaving for that amount of time. These guys are used to, you know, maybe going to the Olympics for a month. Um, but, but the playoffs inevitably, typically, are going to give you, you know, half your games as home games. And so now having everything be on the road – you know, there was a lot of players, I think, that, that just weren't comfortable leaving their families for that amount of time. Um, but the flip side of that, of course, is that they've got to feel good enough about the environment to trust uh, that they're not putting their families in harm's way at all. So, um, you know, again, those are the talks that are becoming a real thing right now. I mean, I tweeted something yesterday that got a lot more reaction than I anticipated regarding some agent concern about the disparity in hotel quality in Orlando. And I know it sounds petty and it sounds, you know, like one person called it tone deaf and it's like, listen, I get it. But the reality is for one, these guys are used to a certain level of luxury. And for two, it's just kind of like those type of hierarchy discussions within the NBA are now happening where it's, is LeBron going to get the nicest hotel and at the Walt Disney world, the, you know, the wide world of sports complex. And if so, you know, where's the 15th guy on the, on the, on the roster, staying and how do you make all those things happen while uh keeping everybody within you know hopefully a four or five uh, five block radius so that everybody's healthy and and they can account for everyone realizing that we were not quite to the playoffs when this whole thing started sam and if you can actually remember way back when who were you liking as playoff contenders going in and has that changed at all with this break (laughs) <laughs> man, it's hard to Jake. That's a hard one to to kind of pull out of the synapses, man. I lost all my perspective there. I mean, it's <laughs> the Jazz were were scuffling a bit, I believe. Um, I mean, they had that big game against OKC where it was the battle of the fifth seeds. You know, the infamous night where Rudy's positive test came back. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I you know I was liking the Lakers. I was liking the Bucks. I was liking the Clippers and. None of those teams have had any real substantive development on their roster. Like the the most obvious one that's good, that that is super interesting and unique is like the the Trailblazers. All of a sudden, you know, could have Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins back. You know, and those are the two guys that kind of the absence of those two bigs, you know, kind of killed their whole season. So it's incredible that. You know, I mean, I don't blame Damian Lillard for coming out publicly and saying, you better make sure that we have a shot at the playoffs because, you know, we got a squad now. Now, with the Jazz, you've got uh, the, the Bogdanovich factor, certainly. You know, that's one where it's tough because I don't know exactly when he uh, suffered the injury, but, you know, you look at it now and it's like, that's a guy that they plan on having and now they won't. And so, um, you know, you go all the way down the line. I mean, the question's about Kevin Durant. And whether or not he might return, I, you know, his agent told us that he had no plans of returning. But, but I do think there's going to be a small list of, of impact players like those guys that do come back, and maybe that changes things. But in general, it's it's a, uh, you know, it's a Bucks, Lakers, Clippers race to the finish with you know a lot of teams kind of chasing from there. 
Yeah, it's interesting. This is an extension of Jake's question, really. But aside from the few additions or subtractions to teams, personnel and whatnot, I wonder if just the extended break will have an effect on any of these teams or even any of the teams that you just mentioned as favorites. I wonder if one team will handle that better so that it will ultimately alter who stands above all the rest at the end. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not a, uh, a trainer. I'm not a doctor. Apologies, guys. I got, you know, some on my throat today. But, um, I, I you know, I, I will lean on the perspective that a, a GM from a pretty prominent team shared with me the other day, which is that, you know, his opinion was that, you know, it's good to have good, you know, habits during this down period. But the reality, in his opinion, was that once you get to the training camp and once you get to, you know, the entire month of work leading into games, that there's going to be an equalizing effect of that period that's going to cut through all of the stuff that happens now. Now, within that, you might have a handful of players that we wonder about. Like, you know, the, honestly, the two guys that I find so interesting are Zion Williamson and Luka Doncic, where it's like, First of all, the NBA would love if both those guys were in the playoffs. You know, Lucas' team has certainly, you know, got a great spot there in the, in the seventh spot and, and, and will be in the playoffs. But Zion is chasing the Grizzlies. They're three and a half back of Memphis. But in terms of health, you know, Zion has been known to get very big. And then Luca also has had kind of questionable eating habits and, and workout routines in the past. At least that's been the book on him. And so, I, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw – somebody come back not looking great. You know, Nikola Jokic is another one in Denver. I think he went back to Serbia and, and I believe has been back there for most of the time. And, um, you know, those teams, especially a guy like Jokic where he's the fulcrum of what they do is an MVP candidate. You know, certainly the Nuggets are hoping that he's been maintaining his body. You know, how wild a factor is that, Sam, in analyzing what, what could potentially happen in the playoffs? That's such a, such a wild card where you were able to shelter in place, essentially affecting how you're able to perform. I, I saw, uh, and who knows if it was doctored or not, but I saw a picture of James Harden that was going around where he's super right. thin, you know? And so right, right. it's a wild factor to this whole thing that we have no idea what kind of shape uh, some of these guys are going to come back in. It's, it's crazy to think about. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we had a good piece on our website. Our rocket speed writer, uh, Kelly Yuko, wrote about James training, you know, near his alma mater, uh, you know, of ASU. He was in Tempe, and he's working out. He's got his trainer. He's got his buddies, and he seemed like he was really putting the work in. And, you know, that's the thing. I haven't heard any horror stories, but I just feel like based on the odds alone, um, you know, common sense would dictate that not everybody's been great, you know. Um, I mean, I can even far be it for me to ever compare any of us to these professional athletes, but even from like an old guy, middle-aged, you know, maintenance standpoint, like it's been tough being stuck at home and you have to change your routine and the gyms are closed and, and if you don't have home equipment, you know, then you, you put on a couple of pounds and, and you don't work out the sweat like you normally do. And that's what, for me, was so surreal about covering some of you guys during this process was you would hear stories that were way more relatable to your life than you ever could have imagined in terms of kind of the, the struggles that you're talking about. I, I do actually think that's been a very real thing for players. 
Sam, you mentioned some of the uh, star NBA players who live all over the globe. When 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 the call happens to have everyone come back and and, and congregate uh, wherever they're going to be training, do those guys fly private planes or do they would they probably fly regular airlines? I'm kind of guessing here, flying blind, no pun intended. I guess pun intended, but um, I would think it would be commercial. I don't think you'd be talking about a a chartered flight from an international location. Sam Amick with us from The Athletic, your daily assist each and every Thursday. Sam, we can't thank you enough for jumping on with us, and hopefully next week at this time we're talking about some firm plans. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. Thank you, Sam. Sam Sam Amick uh, from The Athletic, one of our absolute favorites, uh, no doubt about it. And uh, Gordon, he's he's been optimistic throughout most of this whole thing, and, uh, you know, you heard him there. It, It looks like you can plan on those playoffs at very least. Yep, that's what he's uh, saying. Question for you, Jake: If you were, if you had, uh, if you were making twenty-five million dollars a year, and you lived to say in, I don't know, pick a pick a foreign country somewhere, Latvia. <laughs> okay, you live in Latvia. Would you arrange for a private jet if you had to come back over to uh, an NBA city, or would you jump on a commercial airliner? If money were no option? Well, I mean, yeah. Let's say some of these guys are real stars. They've made a lot of money. Money isn't a huge concern for them. Uh, I mean, if you have the means to, uh, and that uh, that doesn't uh, give you the pinch financially, I don't know why anybody would fly commercial. It's not like you're doing it to enjoy the experience. So you would just uh, have the, uh, the G6 or something and uh, fire that thing up and jump aboard? Well, if I owned my own jet, why would I even consider flying commercially? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not saying that all these guys own their own jets, but they may have access to a private jet. Well, then if you have access to a private jet, you use it. I don't understand the controversy of your question here. It's not a controversial question. I'm just saying, which would you, which would you, would you pay the extra money to f- fly privately? I mean, if, if somebody came up to me and said, hey, I've got some wonderful filet mignon here. Would you like this or would you like this shoe leather round steak? I mean, I'm, I'm, taking, the, I'm taking the filet. Yeah, but if, if it's money's going to no, cost you more. But well, money's it, no it, issue. It, well, it's not an issue, but uh, never mind. I tried to create a, a, a scenario where, yes, you, have, you can afford to fly privately, but you don't have to. I remember getting on a, on a on a commercial flight once, and and Gordon Hayward was on it, and uh, he was flying coach, wasn't even in first class. Wasn't he the one who also uh, drove a Honda Accord throughout like the first five years of his career? <laughs> there, there was a layup joke there. Gordon Hayward doesn't do a lot of things first class, but I let that one. Oh, that, oh I see. Wow. Daddy's always happy. Uh, we'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned. It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Daddy's always happy.